0: Well, maybe you're one of the holograms that are just sitting out there, just sort of don't respond. Anyway, um, Somebody turn on the spots, it's sort of dark up here, thank you. Um, I'll give you another date to put on your calendar, I just found out about, and that is July 2nd, it's Sunday, July 2nd, after the afternoon service, uh, we're all invited to the Miller's. And Dale said they'll have a fire and he's going to have plenty of sticks. You can roast your own wieners and so forth, hot dogs. So July 2nd, after the afternoon service, you're all invited to the Millers. That's July 2nd. I so don't think it's the first Sunday in June. I'm not sure they're ready to feed us the first Sunday in June. So keep that in mind. All right, let's give ourselves to the worship of our God. Take your Trinity hymn books and turn to uh, number 19, To God be the glory, great things He hath done. Number 19. That's not it. What is it? Huh? Is a grace hymnal. That's it. Yeah. Hymns of grace, number 19. I've got it down as the hymns of grace. Let's stand together as we sing. together and ask god to come and meet with us brother tim tennis could you lead us in that prayer please Amen. You may be seated. Our consecutive reading through the Old Testament, we find ourselves in Song of Solomon, Chapter 3. Song of Solomon, Chapter 3. Again, it's it's a romance between the bride and her beloved. And as we saw in Chapter 2, part of this takes place by way of a dream. Either a daydream or a a, a dream in the night while she's sleeping. And I believe we sort of find her in that same position when we come to chapter 3. She dreams that her beloved is not nearby. And in these opening verses, she she searches for her beloved. She, She longs for him. And yet she cannot find Him. She is taken up with Him. She loves Him and wants to be near Him. And and what a, a wonderful example that is as far as the love that we would have, I think, for, for Christ. I think it's an illustration of the love that we ought to have for Christ. But even... What a wonderful illustration it is for the love we have for our spouses. That that we want to be near them. We we want we long for them. We we don't like being separated from them. And and in her dream she also imagined that day when they become husband and wife and longs for that intimacy that she would have with that man. And so she looks forward to that day as well. But as I was reading through this, I was just struck again with how important it is that we maintain a love for our spouses. Someone said to me not too long ago, and I thought it was a wonderful compliment that they were paying their spouse. They said, I know I am loved. I know that I am loved. I just know I am loved. And I thought, what a wonderful thing. I wonder if my spouse could say the same thing. I I hope that's true. And and to to maintain that that love for our our spouses. And then at the end of the chapter, we have the wedding day coming and the arrival of her beloved and and his wedding uh, party We see him in all of his splendor. As I was reading through this, I couldn't help but think of the hymn, The Bride Eyes Not Her Garment, But Her Dear Bridegroom's Face. And that's what we find here at the end of this chapel. So so follow as we read through it together. On my bed after night I sought him, whom my soul loves. And she says that three more times. That's what... Whom my soul loves. She'll say that again and again. I sought Him, but I did not find Him. I must arise now and go about the city, in the streets and in the squares. I must seek Him, whom my soul loves. I sought Him, but I did not find Him. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me. And I said... Have you seen him, whom my soul loves? Scarcely I had left them. When I found him, whom my soul loves, I held on to him and would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house and into the room of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelle and by the hinds of the field, that you will not arouse or awaken my love until she pleases. What is this coming up from the wilderness? Like columns of smoke, perfumes with myrrh and frankincense, with all the scent powders of the merchant. Behold, it is the traveling couch of Solomon. Sixty mighty men are around him, of mighty men of Israel. All of them are wielders of the sword, experts in war. Each man had his sword by at his side, guarding against the terrors of the night. King Solomon has made for himself a cedar chair from the timbers of Lebanon. He made its post of silver, its back of gold. Its seat of purple fabric, with its interior lovingly, lovingly fitted out by the daughters of Jerusalem. Oh, go forth, O oh daughters of Zion, and gaze at King Solomon with the crown, with which his mother has crowned him, on the day of his wedding. Oh, may God bless the reading of His Word. Now let's take our Trinity hymn books and turn to five hundred and two. Five hundred and two in the Trinity hymn book Guide me, O thou great Jehovah.
1: That's,
0: wait a minute. I have the I have the, what's the page number? five oh two, but that's five oh one. I'm doing well today. Five oh one. Starting it. That standard Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I want to read in your hearing a familiar portion of Scripture, which is commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And there is one particular petition that I want you to consider with me this afternoon. But Matthew chapter 6 Starting at verse 9. Pray then in this way Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I would imagine most of us are familiar with this prayer. In fact, I would imagine if I... Would have asked we could have recited this prayer together this afternoon. Thomas Watson writes the prayer itself consists of three parts there's the preface, there's the petitions, and there's the conclusion. That's a deep theological outline of the Lord's Prayer. Preface, petitions, conclusion When we examine the petitions of this prayer we will note that the first 3 petitions focus on what we might refer to as being god centered it is the glory of god that is brought out his name his kingdom and his will Again, Thomas Watson says this, God's glory is more worth than heaven and more worth than the salvation of all men's souls. It would be better that kingdoms be thrown down, better men and angels be annihilated, than God should lose one jewel of His crown, one beam of of His glory. So in these first three petitions, the focus is upon the the glory of God and how that ought to serve as an example with regard to how we pray. That perhaps it would be good for us to remember that as we pray, it is the glory of God that ought to be our focus. That His name would be glorified. That that His kingdom would be advanced. And, And that His will would be a part of our lives. John Calvin says this, Here then are the three sections of prayer. In making these requests, We are to keep God's glory alone before our eyes, while leaving ourselves out of consideration and not looking to any advantage for ourselves. For such an advantage, even though it aptly occurs from such a prayer, must not be sought by us here. But even though all these things must nonetheless come to pass in their time, without any thought or desire or petition of ours, still we ought to desire and request them. It is of no slight value for us to do this. Thus we may testify and profess ourselves servants and children of God, zealously, truly, deeply committed to the best of our ability, to His honor. This we owe our Lord and Father. And therefore, men who do not, with this desire and zeal, to further God's glory, pray that God's name be hallowed; that His kingdom come; that His will be done, should not be reckoned among the children of God's children and servants, inasmuch as these things will come to pass, even against such men's consent. The result will be to their confusion and destruction. And so we learn immediately that that as we pray. It is for the glory of God. But then we come to the next three petitions. And they do deal with our needs. It's it's almost, takes us back. One moment we are thinking about the glory of God. His kingdom, His name, His will. And the next thing he, He prays for is, Give us... This day, our daily bread. Again, John Calvin says, the second part of the petition, we descend into our own efforts. We're so lofty of God's glory, and then we descend to our own efforts. But even as we pray concerning our ourselves, it ought to be to the glory of God. That, that we might have our daily bread and eat it to the glory of God. That we might know the forgiveness of sin to the glory of God. That, that we might not be led into temptation for the glory of God. And so we have these three petitions that center on self, but again to the glory of God. Now, the petition I want you to notice with me this afternoon in particular is that first petition of the second section Give us this day our daily bread. in a few moments, I I want to open up this petition, but I want to open it up as we, we would read it in the original. So in the original, here's how you would read it. The bread of us, the daily, give us today. The bread of us, daily, Give to us today. And what I would point out are are these three things. First of all, the need. The need. The bread of us. This petition has to do with bread. But is he simply talking about Getting some flour and water and what I'm not a bread maker. The only time I've made bread is in a machine and it told me what ingredients to put in and it did everything for me. All right. And then we slice it up, put some butter and jelly on it. Is that the bread that he's speaking about here? No, he's not simply concerned about a loaf of bread. The loaf of bread, or the bread, represents our bread. Daily needs. Our daily needs. It's the necessity of life. Martin Luther put it this way. Everything necessary for the preservation of this life is bread, including food, healthy body, I'm surprised with some of the things he says. Food, healthy body, good weather. House, a home, a wife, children, good government, peace. That's how Martin Luther describes bread. A.W. Pink says it this way, Bread is a generic term signifying the necessities and the conveniences of life, such as food, raiment, and housing. In begging God to give us our daily bread, we ask that He might graciously provide us with a portion of outward things such as He sees will be best suited For our calling and station. That he might graciously provide us with a portion of outward things. The need is what is necessary for our good in this world. Here the petition is not, this is what I want. But the petition is, this is what I need. And, and I don't know that we even understand that, do we? I mean, for most of us, if we had a car breakdown, we would simply drive the other one. But if I ask you, what is your need? You would say, we need another car. When the truth of the matter is, there are people around the world who have to walk everywhere they go. But we're so used to having so much. What what is your need? Well, my need is a T-bone steak. When there are thousands who may only get one meal today who would think that what we had downstairs a few minutes ago was a feast. What is our need? What do we have need of? And to be honest, we have very little need. And often we take that for granted. Proverbs 30, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 8. Two things I ask of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is in my portion. That I, that I not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal and profane the name of my a wonderful prayer for us to pray Lord provide for me in such a way that I don't have so much that I forget about you but provide for me enough that I don't end up trying to lie or steal or be deceptive in order to get food give me just enough How often do we think in terms of just enough? Do we not often think in terms of the future? Am I going to have enough to retire? Or better yet, am I going to have enough to retire comfortably? Whatever that means. I look at the bank account and I wonder, boy, I'm not sure how long this is going to last when there are so many people who don't even have a bank account. And and we ought to be content with what God has provided us with. Now, I'm not saying it's not wise to plan for the future. I am not saying that if you've got a bank account... You're living in sin. But what this petition reminds us of is this reality. You ought to be content with what things you have. And you ought to recognize that you only have them because God has provided them. And, and He hasn't provided them for you to hoard for yourself, He's provided, and then you might be able. To give and to bless others with your giving. Give us the bread or the bread of us. Just the necessities. How often have we sat down and thank God for what he has provided? Now many of us, maybe before we sit down for a meal, we pray. And we give thanks to God. Someone has said, maybe we ought to practice even after we eat to give thanks to God. Because He's provided for us. So the need that he refers to here is that of our daily needs. The bread is our daily needs. The necessities of life. But then, secondly, notice with me what what I I wrestled with what to title this, and so I simply said the request. The request. All right. We started out with what I've called the need. So, what's the request? And, and it's an interesting word here: the bread of us, the daily. This word is only found twice in the New Testament. You want to take a guess where the other time it's found? It's found in Luke chapter 11. Do you know what chapter 11 of Luke in verse 3 is about? It's the Lord's Prayer. Give us our daily bread. So, the only two times that this word is found in the scriptures, both times it's the Lord's Prayer. So, it's not real helpful to see how it's used in other places. The word means what is necessary, what is essential for the coming days. That which is necessary or essential from the coming days. And really, when this was written, and our Lord prayed, taught us to pray, the bread of ours, the bread of us daily, those sitting around listening would know what He's talking about. Because you see, in their day, When a man did a day's work, he got a day's pay. Remember in in Matthew chapter 20, our Lord is speaking and he says, The kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And he agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day. A denarius was a day's wage. So there was this understanding that if you come and work in my vineyard, at the end of the day, I will give you a day's pay. We read on, When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages. And each one received a denarius, a day's wage. So the concept of being paid every day is, is worked into the Greek language with the paying of a denarius. So you've got a daily wage. So if you missed a day, what? You didn't get paid. There was no sick leave. There was no maternity leave. It's amazing to me now. Guys get off work for three months for maternity leave. And they get paid. Back in these days... You didn't work a day. You didn't get paid a day. So it's a day that you would not be able to pay for the things you need for that day. And so, when the wife gets up her husband in the morning and says, "It's time to go to work," and he looks at her and says, "Honey, I, I can barely breathe. No, oh, I got this cold. I really feel bad." She, she might say, "I don't care." We, we, we need food for tomorrow. And if you don't work today, we're not going to have food tomorrow. Get up, get out there. We need the daily pay. Because if we miss it, we're going to be in trouble. You know, nowadays we talk about, I'm just not sure I've got enough money for the month. I, I'm not sure that, that, I mean, right now we're living month to month. Why do we say that? Because most people get paid once, twice a week or a month. And, and so they're living month to month. In biblical days they were working day to day. There was no living month to month. And so Jesus uses this term that they would understand the bread of us, the daily, give us today. Give us today. We need the necessities for a day. And again, it, it, it's also the recognition of our dependence upon God. I plan to go to work tomorrow in order that I might provide for my family. But what happens if I do fall sick? What happens if I if I have an accident at work the day before and I break my arm and I can't go to and do the job the next day. They they didn't have workman's comp. The guy couldn't go to the office, to the PR department, and and say, I I need to sign up for workman's comp. It, It went day by day. And so the request was that what we need daily, and then he says, give it to us today. Which leads me to my third and final point, the earnestness. The earnestness of this petition. The bread of us, the daily, give us today. And here I I just quickly point out three things. Number one, this is an imperative. The imperative command is a, the, the imperative is a mood of command. But this is not us commanding God to do something. This is a command or, or more of an entreaty. It's not a command, but it's an imperative of entreaty. It is a plead to God. It's an imperative. It's also an urgent plead. It's an urgent plea. Give us today our essential bread. There is this thought that God must do that. I'm dependent upon you, He must provide it, or we will go without. Pastor MacArthur says when all our needs are met and all is going well in our lives, we are inclined to think that we are carrying our own load. We earn the money, but our own, but our own food and clothing. We pay for our own house. Yet, even in the hardest working person, Yet even the hardest working person owes all that he has earned to God's provision. Sometimes when we have plenty, we think we've done it. Look what I... I'm a self-made man. This is my money. This is what I've done. But even the wealthiest man, even the hardest working man, whatever he is received he needs to recognize it comes from god it comes from god and therefore we ought to have a thankful heart a thankful heart for our god has allowed we ought to hold nothing with 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 a tight grip but to recognize this this is what god has given to me and may he be pleased to use it As he wills. It's not mine, it's his. And I want to use it all for his glory. My next door neighbors, lovely family, have three children. And they were out playing frisbee the other day. Just as I was walking out on the deck. And I saw the frisbee come flying into my yard. And and the girl came over to get it. She looked up at me. Hi. I said, what are you doing in my yard? And I said, I'm just kidding. I, we know each other well. And, and, and my neighbor's, fa- the little girl's father said, you better grab that quickly before that old mean neighbor of ours gets upset with you. And I and some of you were like, really? We were all joking around. <laughs> They're fine neighbors. But I said, you know, this yard is yours to use for whatever. It's God's given it to us. Run in the yard as much as you want. And that, that ought to be our attitude with everything. This is God's. And I just want to use it for His glory and, and for His, His honor. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for He is the one who is giving you the power to make wealth you better remember the Lord your God because he's the only reason you have anything you have what have you got that you did not receive from God now there are some of us or some who live as though this is mine and give no thought to how I can use it for the glory of God so it's an imperative it's an urgent plea but there's one other thing about this it's a community. And by that, I notice what it says. It doesn't say, give to me my daily bread. What does it say? Give to us our daily bread. Give to us. There is the idea of, or the thought of a Community. This is not a petition about me, but it ought to include others. When I see my brother and sister in need, I'm praying that their their need will also be met. And if I can help with that, then Lord, I want to help with that. It's a recognition that we're all in this together. And so we see here this, this petition which I trust you'll remember, is the bread of us, the daily, give to us today. And so what do we learn from this? Well, there are several things. One thing is this petition will keep us from a spirit of self-sufficiency. A spirit of self-sufficiency. I am dependent Upon God. It'll keep us from a spirit that I'm a self made man. And everything I have, I have because I've earned it, or I deserve it, or I whatever. Someone may say, I was a wise investor. That's why we're doing so well. I did this. Well, how come you were such a wise investor and somebody else wasn't? It will keep us from a spirit of greed. This is what God's given me. May He use it for His glory and for His honor. Another lesson we can glean from this is this petition teaches us that it is permissible and good to cry to God for temporal goods, temporal needs. Nothing wrong with asking God for temporal needs. We ought to ask Him. He's the only one that can provide it. Now here, let me put my pastor's hat on and say that there are, there are temporal needs that we have and that we ought to be pleading with God for, asking God for. We ought to be content with our building. It is a building. air condition is not a need <laughs> right? it's not but reality is this building is that I've had someone this week tell me we're not coming because we can't get downstairs to the bathroom that's a reality and so Lord we're thankful for our building but For greater usefulness, could it be that you provide for us a different building? And then how does that work if you've seen the bank account? But we'll trust you. That's a a need. We have a young man who's come into our midst. Who desires a good thing? You know what a good thing is? He desires the office of an elder. And and as we wait to see if if God would have him be an elder in our midst, then we need to be at beginning to ask the question. So so how do we provide for him if God is pleased to do that? That's a need. And so we ought to be asking God to give us direction, and give us discernment. I mean, it's one of the things your church officers have wrestled with. What do we need worse, another building or another elder? And and what does that look like? And so we trust God. We wait on Him. You know... When it comes to these things, sometimes we can, we can begin to worry about the future and what it looks like. I do that. And those are times when I need to step back and say, you know what? When it comes to meeting my need, my God did not hesitate to meet my greatest need. And He did that by giving His own Son on my behalf. I'm a child of God because God provided everything necessary for me to have a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. And as Paul says there in Romans 8, if He didn't spare His own Son, will He not freely give us all things? Here, I'm going to give you my Son... But I'm going to hold back, you know, a spare tire because you have a flat one, whatever it might be. He argues from the greater to the lesser. But we need to recognize those needs and cry out to God with regard to how they might be fulfilled. And I don't have a plan. You can see my notes. I don't have a plan. We're, We're not we're not going to get a thermometer up here that has $500,000 at the top and then I'm not going to beat you down for every sin you have until the thermometer comes up to $500,000 and then we maybe get a down payment on something. So we're not going to do that. But those are legitimate needs. And so we'll pray we'll give and we'll see what God is but there's nothing wrong about praying for temporal needs and, and in some ways these would be also spiritual needs that we would have as a congregation so, so as as we walk away from, from this petition I pray that we walk away if you can remember these three things number one, contentment Number two, dependence. And number three, gratitude. I think these, this petition ought to lead us to these three things. I, I'm content, you know. I mean, I, if humanly speaking, my preference would be, Lord, why don't you give me enough money that I can have in my bank account so that if I live another 15 years, I know I'm going to be settled. Trust me for the next 15 years to be a wise steward with all that money so that I can live the next 15 years. I mean, I I would prefer that. But if he did that, I wouldn't be as dependent upon him. And so, he hasn't done it. But I can trust him. He will take care of us. And will do us good. So contentment. Dependence. Recognizing I am dependent upon God for everything. And then to give thanks. The bread of us. Daily. Give us today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we thank you for the examples that you give us in your word. You even teach us how we ought to pray. And certainly we've been reminded this day that your glory should always be that which is the focus of our attention. And so whether we have much or whether we have little, to God be the glory. Father, may we use it. May we use it to glorify Your name. May we use it to advance Your kingdom. May we use it to see Your will being carried out in our society and in our culture. Forgive us for oftentimes having an ungrateful heart. Perhaps oftentimes complaining about how little we have when we have so much. Father, help us, help us to be a people who recognize our dependence upon you for all things. And so do not give us so much that we forget you. But may you supply our needs so that we don't seek to be deceitful or thieves Help us to be a people who trust You. We love You, Lord, because You first loved us. And So we pray that as we draw this day to a close, that, Father, the things that we have heard about the eternal God, the things we have considered this afternoon, would would have an effect upon how we live once we leave this place. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. On closing, let's take the Trinity Hymn Book and turn to that hymn that speaks about how God is in control of all things, whatever my God ordains is right. It's number 94, 94. in the Trinity Hymn Book. Let's stand together as we sing.